Welcome to the last of the Grey Eye and Disability Arts online podcast, Disability And. Before we welcome Mind the Gap Theatre. This month, Disability Arts online senior editor Colin Handbrook chats with Grey Eye's former associate director, Nikki Mars Wilden, about the last three years. This podcast contains some strong language. Hi, and welcome to the Disability and Podcast number 34, which I'm, I'm guessing it will be Disability and Podcasting, because I'm here with the, the wonderful Nikki Miles Wildin, who has been the, um, the chief podcaster from the Grey Eye side. Hi, hi, Nikki. It's great to... Uh, to meet up with you on the podcast at last. It is, Colin. It's fantastic. I can't believe there's been 34 of them. It's just epic. And yeah, I don't think it should stop. I think it should keep going. Disability Arts Online, certainly we intend to keep the podcast going. And we're um, about to enter into uh, a a podcasting partnership with uh, Mind the Gap Theatre in Bradford. fantastic I'm really really pleased about that you know it's been uh my kind of I've been very passionate ever since the beginning of Disability Arts Online to try and find um a space to be more inclusive of the learning disability arts community and so I'm, I'm I'm really really pleased they've picked up the mantle so Nikki how how has it been for you it's been three years and uh I've loved hearing your voice on on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Colin. And same goes. Um, yeah, three years. Gosh, time flies, doesn't it, when you're in a pandemic? Um, <laughs> um, and to think that's yeah, it kind of marks. I suppose it kind of marked the start of my journey with Grey Eye as associate director, and now kind of now I've moved on, and so it's kind of like been my bit of my big part of my Grey Eye time as well. It's been fantastic over the three years, like the the range of guests that we've both had on, and other people have come on and presented the podcast as well, and kind of just really reminded me of of the disabled community, the disabled arts community as well, and the importance of it, the relevance of it, um, and particularly during times when none of us were really going outside and still, you know, some of us still aren't. It's just been really valid to have our voices still there. And I, I've really enjoyed hearing uh, uh, voices of um, disabled artists that, you know, I respect and admire and, and, uh, and love. Um, who've been such a huge part of my life. I've loved the range, everything from kind of deep, kind of philosophical topics to the, obviously, a lot of the arts through to the Paralympics and um, all aspects of life that, that, that we're part of as disabled people. And, and, and definitely, and I think it's that, 
it is just that thing of having the opportunity to share our stories, our perspectives on the world and on art as well. And it is quite rare, isn't it, where there's that feeling that we can all get together and share work. Um, and I think this podcast has enabled us to still have that feeling of being, you know, down the pub with each other or those, those times when there are those big disability arts festivals, like Unlimited at the South Bank, you know, Dada Fest and Liberty where there was that feeling that you could go along to that and you felt like you could you'd see loads of people you knew and that sense of being able to meet up and I suppose at a time when we haven't had that and even before that actually this podcast has felt like that way of of remembering we're there and and because the podcasts have been sort of that element like you're having a chat it's enabled you to feel like you you are there you're hearing about other people's work and it's been really enlightening and really exciting absolutely uh, um well i was very kind of nervous going into the whole kind of arena um and i, I didn't know how I'd, um, I'd 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 be up for the challenge you know sort of being having the sort of brain that kind of is very stop start and doesn't really work very very well at the best of times uh the, the 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 kind of um stress of being in the moment being recorded on a on a podcast uh i i thought i'd be um i'd find it really hard but actually i've really enjoyed it i've mm. uh and and um and it you know it doesn't really matter does it no i think one thing i found i don't know about you was i was always worried like are we going to have enough material like, am I going to be able to ask the right questions, steer the conversation? And then, like, feeling sorry for Ian, sometimes it was editing them. Like, I think there was one that kind of went on for quite a while, uh, like over an hour, hour and a half. So, but it was, but it was just such a joy, like, kind of getting over that nervousness to just sit and have conversations and, and, and listen and, you know, talk about people's work. Do you think that you're more comfortable with it now and have really gained skills? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th I think I've grown into it and uh, I'm far less, far less nervous than I was at the, at the beginning. And, uh, I, and I think it's really kind of valuable um, to way of, you know, kind of introducing other accessible ways of, of, um, telling the story of disability arts you know we, we disability arts online kind of started as a journal with a sort of a magazine ethic to it that was very much about writing and print so this broadcasting has really taken us in another direction and i think i think it opens up uh issues around disability arts and beyond disability arts for um a much broader range of uh, listeners. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's something interesting there about it being like disability arts online and grey eye, this kind of partnership. Um, how how did that come about, Colin? Because you probably know more about that than I do. The whole idea of the podcast had been something that we'd talked about at Disability Arts Online for for quite a long time, at least a couple of years before we sort of launched ourselves into doing it. And um, that connection with Grey Eye has been there from the start. You know, there's always been a strong connection between 
Grey Eye and, and Disability Arts, Arts Online. Uh, and they felt very much like a natural partner for us. And um, yeah, I'm kind of sad to see that partnership coming to an end, but I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be, there'll be other ways that we can partner in, in the future. Um, and, and I'm hoping that we, we can do more um, deaf-led work with, with Grey Eye. I think that would be great. Yeah, I think it's been a fantastic partnership and kind of allowing uh, kind of a real intersectionality of artists as well to come through. Um, that feels like it's been quite key to these podcasts. And I think it's equally exciting that you're going on to work with Mind the Gap. It's just they're just a brilliant company. And of course, up in the north as well, which is what we like. But yeah, I, I just think it, it's brilliant. And I, and I know Grey, I've got a lot out of it as well. Um, it's been a real sort of eclectic intersectional mix and also a sense of honesty with all of them and I don't know whether that's the art of a podcast because of you know you are talking into the ether really aren't you but they have all felt really conversational and um rather than like a, a formal interview um and that's been quite engaging uh, abs- absolutely yeah and uh the range of subjects has, has been terrific you know we had the Disability and Race uh, podcast with Alexandrina Hemsley and, and De- Deborah Williams, who uh, has been uh, an intellectual heavyweight uh, and an enormously important part of my life um, since, since the 90s, actually. You know, I've always had a huge amount of uh, respect and admiration for Deborah and... Um, and their, their podcast really kind of uh, opened up issues around um, whiteness that I think we don't often think about or talk about. And actually, they're really, really important to understand culturally what, uh, what that means. You know, we don't usually kind of even consider our skin colour in that, in, in, in that context. And other uh, areas that the podcast have covered, the, you know, uh, the working class and LGBTQIA podcast that we did with Sandra Allen and Shafiq Gafoor and Matty Kennedy and Kate Lauder uh, talking about the parallels with disability and queerness and, and how that often intersects with class. Um, you know, the, the, these, these have been really meaty subjects. And I think that's really key as well, isn't it? Is the fact that as disabled people, we can talk about meaty subjects. Like, you know, particularly the one with Deborah and Alexandrina, like that is such a it's such a massive discussion and so much more to do there. And and that exclusion of black people from disability arts and the wider art sector. And like you say, you know, challenging us on what is meant by whiteness, you know, to understand it. Um, it certainly really made me reflect in in my work and also in looking at disability arts as a whole. It it has been very white, you know, and this is this is our chance to change that. Not um, before time, you know, this is sort of conversation that should have been happening 20 years ago and uh, that, you know, we've we've kind of consistently shied away from. Which ones have you really enjoyed? Like, or, or ones that really stand out for you? I've enjoyed them right from, um, right from the very 
start when I uh, interviewed Gobskier, um, who, who I, is an amazing artist. I love him intensely. Yeah. Um, Brilliant Gobskier. And, and what I've loved over the pandemic is having Zooms with them and them talking around their little garden out the back and the birds that come and visit and and the beautiful kind of tree it, they've got in their lounge it's yeah they they are just they're an amazing artist as well and the work that I've done with them at Grey Eyes just yeah it's phenomenal yeah yeah and um I I, I really enjoyed the more more recent um uh, podcast on on uh, sci-fi and race with Zulika LeBeau and Kyla Harris and that that kind of opened up kind of thoughts about disability and reclaiming science fiction that I, I'd, I'd never considered before I'd always thought that that sort of you know as as a bit of a negative if I'm honest that that sort of uh, superpower relating it to the super crit but I, I I think they opened up a much more nuanced conversation about the the kind of positive parallels that can exist there yeah I think that's the thing isn't it it's around what the different perspectives on things have been really important to hear yeah yeah and um and I I loved I loved uh interviewing Letty McHugh who who I know you interviewed for for uh Dada Fest towards the end of last year you know she's such a fantastic artist she kind of thinks so deeply and yet uh clearly and kind of positively and and she really uh you know she, she really challenges a lot of the barriers that um society kind of uh puts in front of us as disabled people she she uh she does it in such a kind of gentle and nuanced and and uh beautiful way actually and also from a working class perspective um like uh recently when I went up to visit her her gallery up in Keefley um she had these brilliant banners that she'd made with the prints on and it was all the kind of different um pieces of equipment that women have used through time or that women have been you know played a massive part in in women's lives in in kind of um homemaking as well and it's just yeah it's just brilliant and then all these little paper boats that she'd made relating to her granddad being in the navy and how she'd started doing origami to kind of um exercise her hands and it's turned into this wonderful piece of art and then the work that she has with us at Dada Fest Scratch, her Anchorage exhibition, and and also the one that she talked around with on the podcast about the medieval Christian manuscripts. And I think that's the book of hours, isn't it? That's right. And we, you know, there's potential for us to expand on that with Letty as well and make that a, a bigger piece of work. What is so interesting about Letty is that the work that she does in kind of solitude uh, and make solitude look and feel, um, I want to say sexy, but that feels the wrong word, but like um, that, that real connection to it and that, you know, she draws a lot on her own experiences and really brings that out in her art and takes solitude onto a public platform. Letty is definitely, I say this about every artist I work with, but definitely one to keep an eye on. And uh for you Nikki what what have been some of your highlights I loved talking to Jess Tom and that that moment where Matthew Pountney 
said to her around use your ticks as a creative language kind of generating machine uh and that being a moment for Jess of just going oh yeah like not hiding them away and and having that kind of creative value in her ticks and 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 I think with with Jess there's always that reminder for us to examine disability oppression and the, you know the real impact of it on our lives she's 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 somebody that I've I've admired from a distance and I always love those moments when we do get the opportunity to to sit and chat it's brilliant and I think you know Jess is she's really making change and and that's important and her blogs that have been coming out during lockdown as well have been have been really incredible and still and still challenging society in those attitudes yeah she's uh she's magical really in the just how articulate about the barriers that we we face you know she can be um I, I've loved watching her at Unlimited on, um, you know, in, in conversation. Uh, she, she's just so clever and, um, and, and so funny, so naturally funny and, and, and engaging. And it's brilliant to see the work that she's been doing, you know, with Battersea Arts Centre and making them quite a, you know, a more sort of accessible venue throughout and the work that she does with young people as well. It's, yeah, that was, that was a definite highlight for me. And of course we had to talk about the lamppost as well outside Jess's house. (laughs) I think it got damaged, hadn't it? And someone had managed to save it for her and she had it in her, in her flat. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if, if it has a name other than lamppost now. Don't know. We'll put it out there. Put it out there. Just bound to be listening. What's what's the name of your lamppost? Um, Sarah Gordy was another favourite. We we went back years. We used to work uh, together at Kazoom where we did paper people and and hearing you know the kind of barriers that Sarah has faced in her work. Like she was on upstairs downstairs. Um, she did jellyfish at the national, didn't that's she? That's it. Yeah, uh, working with Ben Weatherall and the work she does with like learning disabled models as well it's just again just just brilliant uh and 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 incredible to hear her journey and the journey of her family as well and and the and the impact that kind of theatre work and the arts has, has had on her life it brings back so many memories doesn't it of like when you start talking about them of of where you were when you were recording them or like for me with Jess and Sarah it was in the in like the living room area at Grey Eye, and then I think quite a lot of them then became online. Yeah, we went into lockdown, didn't we? And uh, yeah, it it all uh, turned into um, kind of Zoom recording. Were, were were there other um, highlights for you? It was great to have a chat with Jack, um, and you know he's always a brilliant voice, isn't he, for kind of championing the work of disabled artists and particularly disabled writers. I think I got a bit starstruck talking to Jack, and then also Ruth Maidley as well was another one, and particularly even more so when you're doing it on Zoom as well. It's like it's like they're here in your house now. Um, it feels more kind of personal. I found it really interesting listening to to. Jack talking about his uh, struggles with um, identifying as a disabled person and um, um, what that meant to him and and how it, he had that moment with um, I think it was um, 
during cast-offs. Uh, yeah, what, with Alex Bulmer, wasn't it? With Alex Bulmer, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and he he uh, it it was she was it was her encouragement and and um, that led to him sort of realizing that that he'd he you know he'd found his people as he put it. Um, and and I I think that's something that's common for a lot of disabled people that we kind of you know especially you know people like myself with invisible impairments that we kind of struggle with am I aren't I what does it mean am I a fraud and um, and then there's that kind of light bulb moment when you you kind of connect with the idea of disability as the lived experience of barriers and you realize fuck you know yeah <laughs> I've been facing barriers since I was a kid it's been a constant um you know plethora of barriers all my life society and just throwing everything at me it is that sort of that light bulb moment and and the understanding of the social model and the impact that has on you and how you choose to identify and you know, for me, I didn't come across that till I was like, what, 21? And even then, the irony was that I was on a kind of disability equality awareness training weekend. You know, it's not something you get taught at school, is it? And and then, but as soon as I learned about it, for me, it was like, yeah, I am disabled, own it. Um, and, and like, you know, like Jack was saying, he finds his people. I think that is key, isn't it? We have got a community. And for me, that's what this podcast shows. There's, there's so many disabled artists that, you know, we we need to keep getting our stories out there and, and our work out there and, and having these brilliant discussions like, like Deborah and Alexandrina. Art is all about change, isn't it? And, you know, an artist having a conversation can make change as well. And that's 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 really important, and 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 it's something that I really hope it's helped a lot of people on their own sort of of journey of discovery of disability as well. There, there have been some great um, conversations about sort of definitions of of disability art and what what that means, and uh, Claire Cunningham's. Um, a podcast on, on aesthetics kind of stood out for me as as a you know I've always loved Claire's work she's she's uh, uh, just beautiful to watch and but also you know whether she's kind of incorporating issues around religion or or belief or identity into her work she there, there's the creative angle that she comes from and the 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 idea of a disability aesthetic um, that kind of challenges barriers that society um, puts in front of us, and and kind of understands how how important the body is as a sort of foundation for a disability aesthetic, and and just what a creative idea that can be and how, what a tool. Yeah, it's really key. And yeah, big fan of Claire's work as well. And it's such a interesting conversation and dialogue to have, isn't it? And she says something around that society has dictated where women with long hair are more aesthetically pleasing than those with short hair. And you start to look at everything in society and you're like, yeah, where has that come from? And what is disability aesthetic? 
what's been really enlightening about these podcasts is us learning about our history as well um and how the roles of disabled people played kind of uh court fuel were caught ah, my words um uh, the, the roles of disabled people played they were those of kind of um court fuel fu- i can't say the word they were kind of curiosities or fuel fools that why can't i say fools today uh but how um the fu- the fools were like some of the people who could actually speak truth to power and say what they really thought to royalty like how brilliant would that be today? I think like I think the Queen would be hearing quite a lot from some of us um, and how then the perception of disability went from kind of being this one of wonder to, to one of error in the kind of Victorian and early modern capitalist era. And then out of that grew the kind of, you know, the medical model, the medical conception. And I think that idea of how things improving through history is sometimes false, isn't it? And that I thought was really, really interesting from that podcast, how, and it that starts to happen the more you kind of unpack history, that disability wasn't, such a, a bad thing or such a powerless thing um but it, it it has definitely become that through through how it's going and I've been talking to one of the Dada fellows around um uh her Arabic background and her saying you know um in Arabic history again the disabled people just fitted you everyone fitted into into society there was no levels of hierarchy but suddenly it's kind of, you know, as we move through, it's it's starting to become that. Um, and, you know, I'm really glad that at Disability Arts Online, we we can continue to to challenge that societal idea that that uh, everything's fine. And and we, you know, we have to, we have to just keep on. I think that 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 struggle isn't going to go away. Yeah, and we're kind of stronger together, aren't we? And and can support each other and kind of amplify our voices. And it's funny, isn't it, when you look at it through history where it gets better, then it drops down, gets better. Gets better. And that, that is what I very much think the kind of disabled narrative is for stories, really. It should be that thing of, you know, because every day you can be not disabled till I leave my house and that I get to the tram stop and the lifts aren't working. Do you know what I mean? It's like my life is okay, then it hits a barrier, then it's a it's a okay again once the lifts are working or I'm on the tram, but then somebody says something and that's that other barrier. Not necessarily the hero's journey, are they? Let's put it that way. On a on a um the less serious side, I loved uh hearing. Jackie Hagan uh, talking about comedy and out the sprouts. <laughs> oh, the brilliant Jackie Hagan! That you ah, dare I say it? That's yeah. I'd forgotten I had done that with her, but I think that was my first ever one. I think um, that I yeah. Me and Jackie, we'd worked together, hadn't we, on the Forest of Forgotten Discos up here in Manchester and. We had great fun uh, having a bear that farted loads and then having an interactive game with the young people called Out the Sprout. Um, yeah, and Jackie is just phenomenal, isn't she, as a, as a writer, a poet, a playwright. Um, and even her Facebook status is like every day. It's like it's just pure comedy, like because, you, you know, she's going through a bit. It, it, she's gone through quite a lot of stuff recently, but 
she still she still entertains us all on Facebook with her Facebook status and she's just she's just brilliant again just somebody from you know she says from a working class background and she is so she is so articulate she is she just and she's but she's so honest with her work um creatively playful again and just yeah an absolute absolute joy and didn't we have a weird discussion about oversized hats i i think i think you um it started off with hats and uh um what what hats um what hat would to describe describe her and she talked about um wearing a dame's hat i think <laughs> that was it what sometimes i think where did i come up with these questions and why <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great when it enters that kind of surreal world um and uh I, you know i think jackie's great example of of art breaking the rules and the the importance of of art to break the rules and and um and there was quite a serious message in that as well around um how how good oppressed people are at comedy in ways that the kind of you know straight world just just doesn't embrace at all no and I think it's that sense of speaking the truth isn't it and I think that's what that's what Jackie does so well is there any more Colin that you would say you've really enjoyed listening to or being part of I I found the the interview that I did with Mike Faulkner about neurodiversity, I found that absolutely fascinating because he's someone who has like 20 or 30 conversations going on in, in his head all at the same time. And talking to him, you get like all of those conversations coming out and just taking you in in a sort of myriad of different directions uh and uh i thought just just actually just in the way that he spoke he you really got a sense of of the inside of mike fortner's brain and just what an incredible place it it, it is and uh you know and of course how he's been able to challenge that to um educate people about climate change and and uh to 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 kind of um use his art as a form of climate activism and that you know that's particularly important isn't it when you feel it's a, it, you know and having done some work of mind the gap recently that thing of actually throughout climate change the conversation around it how a lot of disabled people are left out of those conversations due to the kind of the inaccessibility of the material or the language used around it so it's great that you know Mike Mike's exploring that and using using his voice in there are there any other any others of them that that kind of uh struck you that kind of raised a note with you I think what's really important is to remember like the cross art art form of all of them as well. Aidan Mosby, Jennifer Il Gilbert talking around the the definition of curator and how that's more than just selecting a bunch of artworks and putting them on the wall or wherever and thinking, oh, that looks nice. Um, and to thinking about it as a kind of world of storytelling. Um, 
and around that feeling of to care for the artist, the work and the audience. And that I think that's really important, actually, is to think about all the work we do is like, what are people getting out of it? What do we hope that they get out of it? what what's the story we're all trying to tell with the work that we're 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 making and I remember they made quite a a valid point around how um visual art by disabled artists is still perceived as a lesser quality and I thought that really stood out for me actually because it's very much like is that is that the perception of all disability art or just or more so visual art and what is and what and why is that because I always there's there's also something linked here, isn't there, of what if people didn't know who the artist was? Would people necessarily still have that assumption? Um, and I think when you look back through time, a lot of artists were disabled. They had hidden impairments. But it's only now that that's coming come to light, isn't it? That hiding of disability, especially within the visual arts, has um, been part of the kind of discrimination that that uh, that you know that we face since kind of uh, the year dot really since you know since the whole kind of Greek ideal of um, the perfect human body you know um, and uh, I I I think I think in the visual arts it it, it is harder. Um, then I think the performing arts and the the whole sort of uh, um, idea of the disability aesthetic, you know, the, um, the, the, the stuff that has been so close to Jenny Seeley's heart, you know, has been really, really important in, in uh, you know, pushing the language and, and creating a, a, you know, a depth of understanding. And I, I think it, within the visual arts that hasn't happened because so much because the visual arts are so dependent on um, the, the patrons who are the ones who decide who is and who isn't an artist. And there, there's such a kind of uh, a history within the visual arts, especially of um, language being used to just completely discombobulate and make utter nonsense of cr- creativity and using that as a way of, of creating a, a hierarchy and creating a, a, a kind of whole system of exclusion really. And uh, um, I think within the visual arts especially, you know, that idea of curation as storytelling is so important. And, and, and you know, the, there's this thing in the visual arts, isn't it? Is the artwork has to speak for itself which, which, which is, you know, back in the 16th century when, um, you know, you had hours to ponder an image and, and, and people, you know, it was very much about the narrative. But um, now, you know, it's so important that we, that we use art as a vehicle for storytelling and, and not for just complete nonsense that, that you know, abstract kind of, upper what's it's you know up up its own arsehole really I I think I I, yeah I completely agree I mean mine's theatre background but I I think that still says a lot to theatre of yeah of putting our stories out there and and I think it is isn't it 
always comes down to money, capitalism of like who's got the money and also the gatekeepers in these places and uh, what what do they value as art? Um, and I think I was thinking I was talking about this the other day with someone around that the importance of art to disabled artists feels even more important than potentially it could do to a non-disabled artist because it's it's us we're really putting ourselves out there aren't we with this is who we are this is the impact that society has on us so there's quite a lot of and I know we all don't really like this word but there is a lot of vulnerability there with what we're doing which with that then comes a lot of care and a lot of passion so when art visual art or whatever can be feel disregarded it feels like you're it feels like quite an, a personal attack we're using art to challenge and change aren't we that at the moment there might get to a point where we don't need to challenge and change but that i think that's definitely where we where we are definitely i i, I really like the term socially engaged practice you know um it's a bit of an a bit of art speak that I kind of uh, it kind of says, says says something quite important for me. You know, I'm I'm not usually a fan of that kind of jargon, but um, some sometimes sometimes it, it makes sense. And and I think you've you've summed up perfectly the the importance of disability art in in creating change in the world and in you know challenging society to understand that you know at the end of the day uh disability is something that everyone is going to experience and and it'll be so much better for the non-disabled communities to to understand it earlier in their lives than later actually it won't be such a shock yeah yeah as i think me and jack was discussed around that thing everybody's pre-disabled um which yeah is true isn't it it's like yeah kind of get your heads around it now and then you you know you won't feel so yeah such a shock or whatever when it happens because it's going to um that <laughs> sounds really like, it's going to happen kids ah! <laughs> um, but... it's just around the corner <laughs> exactly uh, that yeah. feels like a it feels like a good note to, to bring our conversation to a close. You're all gonna become pre you're all gonna become disabled. Love it. Embrace it. Be the change. It's a creative opportunity. It yeah, is. see? See? Well, thank you, Colin. It's been fantastic to do this and to kind of, you know, go through the podcast archive and, and remind ourselves of the brilliant work that's gone on. Well done. And I, I've been looking forward to having this chat with you for ages. And it's just been fantastic to chat with you, Colin, and you know, and the work that you've been doing with Disby Arts. Just yeah, it's brilliant. So thank you.
Visit greyeye.org and disabilityarts.online for details of productions, events, interviews, opinions, reviews and learning opportunities.